1: boron baby oh, when I baby when I b-b-b-bite my lip bloody thinking about those bu b buxom bosoms baby, baby, baby baby, 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 ah,
0: ah, <laughs> I'm p-b-b-b-b-b Without your m- Audacious
1: set of tatas Ooh. in that bathing suit, that bubble bubble bathing suit. Swear to puppies in that bubble bubble bathing suit. Baby,
0: please. Baby, please. Baby, baby, please. Ooh. Those robot, boobies. Mm, those robot boobies, yes. Baby, baby, please, your robot po
1: for baby. I don't really harbor much nostalgia. It's dangerous. My friend David has made a whole career out of showing how it's a trap, even. Any historian can tell you that nostalgia isn't really what we believe about ourselves as ourselves. Rather, nostalgia is what we believe the story about ourselves ought to be. That distinction is what makes Don Draper's pilot episode Pitch and Mad Men such horseshit. Horseshit that he's well aware he's churning as he earns his commission. Nobody pines for the past that actually was, not least of which because nobody Ever really knows the past. You know that was is a point that no longer is, but you don't really know what that was was, let alone is, let alone will be when this is right now also becomes was. Instead, what you know are the histories we build, what you have are the memories you can stage, what you share. Are the stories that shield power. If nostalgia is the wound that aches twice, it's either for the daydreamed stab or the phantom limb. Nostalgia is peekaboo with the tanks. Nostalgia is dangerous because it is an ache to return to some time, some space, some inner glow but you can never return. The film in your head never replays the same way twice because it isn't replayable. It's only playable. Every rewind, every desire to replay for the sake of return makes a new movie. In other words, there's no back. Back implies that time is arithmetic. More importantly, back implies that time is static. If time is arithmetic and static, then we can hearken for it, point to it, be nostalgic for it. The nostalgic wound always suggests you can point to where it hurts and where it used to hurt. And it's easy to understand why. Most of our stories of time are a line, linear, a basic algebraic function, purely Cartesian. Some of our stories, including both Christianity and communism, draw a line that is upwards and onwards. Jesus was here. Jesus died. Jesus undied. And he'll come back for the rapture. We have no industry. We have a lot of industry. The burgers undermine the aristocracy. We have a proletariat uprising. Yada yada communism. Nostalgia also plays with the same two-dimensional algebra. It just has a different formula. The nostalgic function isn't purely downwards, but instead wavy and, and wobbly. See how it curved up and now it's curving down? Gosh, wouldn't it be great to go back to that better point? Wouldn't it be great to make a strange loop? This is why I've always hated the question, if you could live at any point in time besides this one, when would it be in why? What a loser's bargain. If I were my father's age, I'd be in my prime well before protease inhibitors. If I were my grandfather's age, I'd doubtlessly find myself in one war or another, go back far enough, and none of my ancestors seem like they were in enviable positions, even the bolita runners and bar wenches and rodeo hands. I mean, even this trap is itself caught in a trap. Would I even want to suck a 14th century dick or get some early modern tale? How do you get a lifters high when there's no gyms or no electricity or no spandex? How can I feel bliss outside of the bogs? What would I call bliss? What words would I have for that electric spark, that dopamine blush? But I suppose I am a hypocrite or at least a self-aware one. Consider Belgium. Belgium, as entities go, makes no sense. It is a pass-along party bottom of a state, ruled for decades by a man who himself owned the entirety of the Congo and which recently operated without a formal government for 16 entire months. The country is divided among two groups of people called phlegms and walloons, surprisingly neither a Dr. Seuss creation and surprisingly neither of whom speak a language at all resembling one another's. Belgium's biggest cultural export remains fried potatoes misattributed to the country next door. The border town of Barl is so convoluted that it is a double enclave. There are parts of the Netherlands inside Belgium which are themselves inside the Netherlands, the border often literally cutting through bakeries and residences. Belgium is the concept of a country devoid of all reason for being, bloodlessly barren of purpose, which may actually make it the ideal state. What remains Belgium's greatest creation, however, has nothing to do with oil, paint, or dark chocolate. It's actually the perfect derivation. Belgian new beat. A little high energy, a lot of electronic body music, just enough plagiarized Detroit sound, and a heavy dash of industrial. Belgian Newbeat captures a glorious moment in the late 80s and early 90s where songs could feel both digital and sweaty, a lickable computer program, a pre-World Wide Web cybernetic facefuck. It's my favorite combination of sounds for dancing all night besides freestyle, and if your ass is already on the floor for that, you should be on the floor for Belgian Newbeat. You should have been on the floor for it back then. See how you ache to get back on the dance floor again? Couldn't we return? Tell me where it hurts. Don't you want sore feet again? Thighs, aching from six hours of dancing, living on menthol cigarettes and clear liquor. Couldn't we go back? Tell me how bliss feels. Picture this, as it never was. We're at a dinner party. You ask me where I'd live in history. I take your hand and we're in Brussels, maybe Antoine. We're both civil servants with extraneous paid time off. We know the best time to start dancing is at 2pm. You're wearing a boxy suit and I'm in a body stocking. Couldn't we return? The beat surrounds us, first in our knees, and then in our abs. This never really happens. I've replayed this movie a hundred times in my head, each version better than the last. Couldn't we go back to this point in time? Couldn't we? Where would it be? In time? Couldn't we make this strange loop? Couldn't we make this strange loop? You could live in this point. Couldn't we make this strange loop? Where would it be? Couldn't we make this strange loop? B is also for board games. As a child, I was obsessed with board games. My bedroom closet was brimming with boxes of board games that my parents would bestow upon me for birthdays. I would trawl the back tables of yard sales for board games from bygone eras. Backgammon and Battleship were not enough. I braved the pre-blue dawn for B-grade baubles of Zillionaire a game premised on bankruptcy, or Balderdash, a game built on the bivalent skills of etymology and bullshit. None of that baby crap, like Hungry Hungry Hippos. I needed braincraft, bottomless replayability, bellicosity marked as strategy. If I could have had a bar fight, I'd have already known the theme. But before anybody believes, I lived in a permanent state of diversion. I should point out the big irony. I rarely had anyone to play board games with. My brother couldn't be bothered to play a game that didn't involve an action figure. And my parents couldn't begin a round of Othello before being bothered by one another. And of course, absolutely nobody who wasn't a direct relative was allowed inside our home. And and even then there were a lot of relatives who weren't even on that list. If it wasn't Yahtzee or the beloved unheralded early nineties game Picture Picture, it was no dice so instead i would spend my days buried in these cardboard boxes burrowing into the inner mechanics of playtime believing i could make a better game maybe but maybe make a game that would get my family to play with me maybe but maybe i could make a game that would allow me to go over to other classmates houses maybe but maybe i wouldn't be destined to a bachelorhood filled with a rich interior life and imaginary friends I began to become bored of self-imposed barriers in most board games, so I broke apart game after game and built them better. Who said the wheel in the home version of Wheel of Fortune couldn't be used to determine the fate of Parcheesi pieces or alimony payments in the game of life? Why couldn't you just replace the bobo-ass people in Guess Who with celebrities you cut out of your mom's tabloids? What if Go is just a series of booby traps? What if I could now become the cover girl, the bimbo on the billfold of board game bimonthly? In that vein, and perhaps inspired by rules I wrote 25 years ago, I've come up with a very simple board game. In fact, it's so straightforward that I can relay the instructions to you on the air right now. And if you replay the step-by-step enough times, you'll be able to play along within the quarter hour. It's time to play Blast Off. The game is suitable for 2-8 players and has an estimated running time of 15-685 minutes. If you have any familiarity with Blender, Blammo, Bibimbap, Banchan, Balky, Belfry, Slap, or Bananagrams, this game should feel familiar. The rules of this game are very simple. Amid the revived space race of the 24th century, you must lead your nation to be the first country to send a manned rocket to Mars without succumbing to invasion or domestic sabotage. Step one, divide the room into two zones. Everyone on the left-hand side will be the Balford League and all those on the right-hand side will play as the Bugle Pads. Step two, one member of the Balford League and one member of the Bugle Pads will serve as hegemons for their respective cliques. This will be determined by group wrestling or, if modesty is required, arm wrestling until one victor remains. Step 3. Preheat an oven to 350. Step 4. With dice cast from the human ivory of a disgraced ancestor, each team will roll until an omen from the Kabbalah reveals itself in numerical form. If short on time, whichever team rolls a 7 goes first. Step 5. Play begins on the left. The first player will draw a card from the Boneyard of Despair and follow it to the letter. Any inability to follow the instructions on the card will be considered a felony in international court. When a player completes four tasks from the Boneyard, they are granted a Ringlet of Honor, which may be used to destroy a battalion from the opposing team. Please use the included barbecue lighter to torch said battalions. Play continues when the final battalion member draws their last breath. Step 6 Every 15 minutes, play must stop to receive a message from the International Tribunal. Please insert the included VHS into a tape deck and fast-forward or rewind for a number of seconds equal to the number of lingering childhood regrets among remaining players. The message on screen when the tape stops must be obeyed, especially if it involves harassing elected officials. Play cannot continue until all political harassment is filed through either fax or in a self-addressed stamped envelope. Step 7. Chop an onion. Step 8. Play moves to the opposing team when someone starts acting like a little bitch. Why are you acting like a little bitch, Leslie? Fine. Step 9. A truce between the Balthard League and the Bugle Pats can be reached for 15 minutes if, and only if, a political marriage is staged among the most desperate members of each team. Desperation will be based on a general inability to make dinner plans before 9.30pm. Wedding gifts must be exchanged before play can commence. Step 10 Look through this Vogue Italia. Tell me what the fuck is going on in this fashion spread. Tell me, seriously, what the fuck? What the fuck is going on in this fashion spread in fucking Vogue Italia? Why is her fucking hand like that? Why the fuck? This is fucking Vogue Italia. Why does her fucking hand look like that? What kind of fucking romp room shit is this? What the fuck? It's fucking Vogue Italia. What the fuck is she doing? Step 11, the first team to 300 points wins. The losers are immediately vaporized. Repeat as necessary. That's right, and that's Blast Off. The only story I know of the financial I'm sitting with my brother in the back of your white convertible. My family's hatchback doesn't have any air conditioning, but this breeze is a new rush. Wind in both ears instead of one. Deep Florida sun on every side of our faces. Even my mother is enjoying the rare moment in a passenger seat. You juggle several items while driving towards 72nd and Sheridan. A Marlboro 100, half a Diet Coke, a first generation cell phone, the steering wheel, and Tony Braxton's debut album. Tony looks up at me from the CD case on your center console, tight blue jeans and leather jacket off her shoulders, short short hair on a heart shaped face. She is the coolest woman in the world. You, my auntie right there in the driver's seat, is the coolest woman in the world. Maybe we are all the coolest women in the world, even me in the back seat, if I could learn how to shapeshift like I wanted, you realize all of a sudden that you have to hook a left and only have two hands for four jobs. there's a misfire. the cigarette goes back in your mouth before you cradle the phone into your shoulder, but the diet coke tilts along with the wheel arcing across the tan cloth interior before landing on the bare Tony Braxton CD. Oh no! no. You cry out from the free side of your mouth. This, this is a lease. lease! You look back and forth at my mother and the soda splattered disc while driving 60 in a 45 asking Do, do you, you it still, still play? play? My mother shrugs and says I, I don't know. know. Which is her polite way of saying, on no planet, to people she likes enough to avoid ever arguing with. Handing my mother the phone and maybe also the steering wheel, you wipe the CD off with a stray McDonald's napkin from your jeans, casually bulleting through a yellow light. We all hold our breath as you slide Tony into the CD player. I'm afraid the car will catch fire, in line with most of my fears that year. The first track, Another Sad Love Song, kicks in, and we all begin to sigh with relief until the album starts to skip over and over and over. You keep the CD in for the entire drive back to my family's house, hoping the soda will burn off as we hear, Just another sad love song, Wrecking my, wrecking my, Reckon my, I'd rather be on my own, own, own. On my, my own And I, I shall never breathe On my own, 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 own 2001, Orlando You speed through the tourist district in your gold sedan Another lease, your hands repeatedly leaving the steering wheel as you wave them in excitement. Oh, it's so amazing! I can't even describe it! It's exactly like in the movie Big! You pull in front of the FAO Schwartz, putting on your hazards as you park diagonally across two spaces. A kaiju teddy bear and raggedy Ann stare back at my mother and my brother and myself all five of us blank-eyed you say you'll be back as soon as you run a few errands for your convention center job peeling off before we can get halfway up the mountain of stairs after five minutes in the toy store we realize none of us were the small children of brazilian millionaires or sunburnt british fuckboys or rapidly dementing seniors, all of whom were the target demographic of this massive and massively expensive toy store. I have like $30 on me, and my mother maybe twice that? None of us had even seen Big recently, and all I can remember is several seconds of Twink era Tom Hanks and two small tidy whitings. <laughs> The floor piano here has a cracked B key, so nobody can replicate the heart and soul scene, even if it weren't a terrible song and an even worse idea. Instead, we walk in a giant circle, vaguely gesturing at Goo while an endless series of nutcrackers look over our shoulders. Everything is dim, as if the wiring can only support nightlights. And the same song seeps from the walls over and over and over again. As if somebody spilled Diet
2: Coke on it. Welcome to our world, welcome to our world, welcome to our world of toys. We wait for
1: some end to the song, but there is none. We wait for any sort of clerk to interrupt with a special announcement or a cry for help, but there are
2: none, only Welcome to our world! Welcome to our world! Welcome to our world of toys!
1: We realize that we have actually not seen a clerk in the entirety of FAO Schwartz during the half hour we've been inside the store. The only people inside seem to be children throwing tantrums, they're exhausted nannies and maybe like five life-size Barbies all we know is that we are welcome in this world welcome in this world welcome in this world of toys 30 minutes becomes 60 becomes 90 the synthetic keyboards make clear that this is hospice music for robots my mother no longer has signal On her turn of the century motorola so we are stuck in this world stuck in this world stuck in this world of toys they don't even sell coca-cola here my brother begins to pick up an action figure and none of us can be fucked to start the usual argument we watch a girl no younger than eight scream at a candy display the containers of pink jelly beans and circus peanuts oblivious to her house I wonder if she kept up her conniption that she would no longer be welcome in this world, welcome in this world, welcome in this world of toys. I worry at that point that I may never find a mop-haired man like Tom Hanks who pads around in tight skivvies as long as he never wants to sing Heart and Soul together. You show up as the sun begins to creep behind SeaWorld and you hand us doodads from the convention you were setting up notepads watermarked with arbitrary initials, pens shaped like pencils, stress balls hazardous to most marine life. We struggle to shape any words as you tell us how much we're gonna love, how much we're gonna love, how much we're gonna love Johnny Rockets. Part three, 2023, 1990. Heard you escaped a serial killer deep in the florida backwater heard you always had that post-nasal drip and fast food napkins in your pockets heard your favorite dinner was and remained dinty more beef stew just heat and eat heard you did a lot of cocaine like a lot but we're from miami and what does that really even mean heard your voice on the only videotape of me as a child Four years old at Disney World 20 minutes from your place Another rental My parents ask me again And again And again where we parked
2: Pluto N7 Pluto N7 Pluto N7
1: Your voice Is a perfumed carburetor How did he know that? How did he know that? Ask him again Ask him Ask him again is for breakfast. You know, I I think one of my favorite things about being an adult is realizing that I can eat breakfast whenever I want. And on a day like today, when I'm pretty stressed, I'm really in the mood to make some breakfast. I want to have breakfast anytime I damn well please. And tonight's one of those nights.
2: Wait. Wait. Wait, I I know that sound. Princess Oh, oh right. It's you, the the armadillo I met a few weeks ago. By Jove, you're correct. But wait a second. Doesn't armadillo begin with the letter A? Oh, you basic-brained being. I'm a baby armadillo. Technically, that begins with B. Oh, that. That makes sense, although it kind of makes your precocity even more alarming. Sure. Also, my agent got me a two-episode deal.
1: Oh, well that that is a bargain. Have you been up to any more intellectual pursuits baby armadillo?
2: Oh yes, boundless bubbling breakthroughs.
1: Could you humor me and divulge a few?
2: But I'm bound by embargoes.
1: What if I sweetened the deal by making
2: you breakfast? A bribe? Bah! What beast do you take me for? A baboon? A bison? A bullfrog? No, no, baby armadillo. I just wanted a breakfast buddy. Hmm. Very well. I should boast of my bounty. I've been blazing through the burgeoning fields of bipedal biology, buttress ballistics, ballast building, beekeeping, bantamweight belligerents, balcony building, bookbinding, Booby traps, balustrades, buildings, Roman building, bucky balls, and bouncy balls.
1: Wow, that sounds like a bursting behemoth of knowledge. Ugh, I'm blushing. I should really make you breakfast
2: now. Would you like some blueberry buttermilk pancakes? Baff. As breakfast go, that's bafflingly banal. Gee, baby armadillo, that's that's a little blunt. Bland food is beneath me.
1: Beneath you? Oh, what would you have served for breakfast instead? Baba Ganoush, banana splits, brandy soaked biscuits, beetroot boulognes, baguettes with boiled brie, beefsteak, tomatoes, and brisket?
2: Blah! Blah? What would you have instead? Bugs. Bugs? Indeed, bugs! My babushka, named slightly older baby armadillo, would bring us bi-weekly bouquets of bugs for breakfast, beetles and bull ants, Bulgarian worms and butterfly eggs. Truly the best brunch. Would you cook them? I mean, I'm a baby armadillo and a bona fide genius. I don't really have the time for that, buddy. Hmm, very well. I guess I can't really make you a meal for the road, can I? Don't bother. Besides, I have to build a case for a new element between boron and bitumen. Better get back to my blackboard. Oh. You, you really can roll into a ball. We already went over this last time, Buckaroo. Stay in school or whatever. Bye!
1: B is also for bye. Bye-bye.